Welcome to this brand new episode of the Marketing Technology Podcast. This podcast is hosted by Mark van Horek and myself, Elias Krum, and brought to you by Marketing Guys, the MarTech agency based out of the Netherlands. Welcome to this new episode of the Marketing Technology Podcast, in which I have Charlie Mann, who is the lead coach at Great Legal Marketing, based in Virginia. So welcome, Charlie. Elias, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk with you about a subject that I, I don't know has probably ever been talked about on this particular podcast, but it's going to be a great blend of our legal sphere and then the technology sphere that that you all talk about a lot. Absolutely. No, this is actually a topic that we've never discussed before. Uh, marketing for people in legal, so attorneys, law firms, etc. We're going to dive into that. But before we do that, I'd like to hear a little bit more about your background. What What's your history and what led you to the point that you are now on? Yeah, so Elias, my backstory actually is is probably pretty different from most folks who have gotten into the legal world at all, especially legal marketing. So I was actually a theater major when I was in college. So I was on track to be uh, an actor and director. I worked in some uh, professional and semi-professional work here in the DC, Washington, DC area here in the States. Um, But I actually had this internal drive coming out of college where there was one thing, Elias, that was more important to me than being an actor. And frankly, was to be a husband and father. I had a great role models in my own parents. And I really wanted that family dynamic in my life. And I placed a priority on that. So I started looking for interesting jobs coming out of college. And let's be honest, a, a college kid uh, who, who's graduating is not really sure about what he wants to do. Marketing sounds really cool, right? Like how many people have gotten into marketing because they thought it sounded cool? So I searched for a bunch of jobs in marketing and some other spaces. And I ended up finding this guy, Ben Glass, who runs a company Mm -hmm. called Great Legal Marketing, the company obviously that I'm here, uh, you know, representing right now as lead coach. And I remember interviewing with Ben Elias. It was the most interesting interview that I had because he didn't ask questions about, you know, are you detail oriented? Uh, you know, what's your greatest strength? What's your toughest weakness, et cetera. He asked me questions like, how do you learn? Like, what's your methodology for learning? What are you passionate about? What, what, what gets you up in the morning and gets you excited about life overall. Like those are the types of things he wanted to know if I would be a strong uh, culture fit, frankly, with him and could keep up with him because he's a voracious learner. And so I, you know, fast forward 10 years, obviously I got the gig and started helping him build out the company overall. And now I've gone from working inside of a law firm where at one point, Elias, I was literally answering the phones at Ben's law firm because he's Mm -hmm. still a practicing attorney to now, you know, I'm coaching one-on-one in mastermind groups and then in large group coaching uh, hundreds, even thousands of attorneys across the country. So when you're helping attorneys, and I, I, I have to say, I have a European and Dutch background. We, we listeners will know this. So I'm not too familiar with the structure of law firms and attorneys in, in the U.S. You know, mm-hmm. the thing I know best from the U.S. and law, law firms is the Better Call Saul episodes that I've seen on <laughs> Netflix. Uh, that probably doesn't represent everything that you're doing. Um, so... Um, when you're helping out law firms and attorneys, what what are their their key challenges that you help them on? You know, the number one key challenge 
is that most attorneys, when they go to law school, and it, it, whether it's in the States or it's, it's in the EU or frankly anywhere, they tend to be taught that the client is everything and that your job is to just kind of grind as a lawyer. There is no discussion about what it means to run a law firm, to have employees, to design a life that you really want to live. It's all about serve the client. Now, mind you, a lot of times this message, funny enough, is coming from people who have run, who have actually gone one of two ways. Either they have run a big law firm or a substantial law firm where they make plenty of money already. So it feels like they're kind of telling you, hey, just hustle because they're trying to turn you into their next employee rather than turn you into a free thinker who thinks about running a business. Or it comes from someone who, you know, kind of cycled into the lawyer world and then got some type of doctorate degree, went back to teach law. And so they don't have much business experience to share and their perspective is a little warped. So that's actually the biggest challenge. Like it's not a technical challenge. It's not a marketing challenge or anything. It's a what happens between your ears challenge. How do you view life overall? So when we can start solving for that and say, hey, you get to be, and here, here's what we like to say, Elias, we help law firm owners become great business owners. When you start viewing this as more of a business, you actually end up helping yourself and your clients a whole heck of a lot more because you become more efficient. You're able to touch more lives with the work that you do. And that is ultimately the number one challenge. And I'll throw in a secondary challenge here real quick, Elias, which is that when they come out of law school, obviously when you're a lawyer or even a doctor, you know, a professional service provider, you view your skill set such as lawyering, as being directly tied to how you make money, mm -hmm. which you know, Elias, when you own a business, you actually have to decouple, especially if you want to grow your business, you have to decouple the work that you do from the growth of the business. Because if the only way to grow the business is you putting in more hours as an attorney or a doctor or any other profession or work service at all, your business is trapped by the time that you have available to it. So that's the other big issue is they come out as an existing product. Lawyering is their product. They're so used to being the lawyer. How do they be the business owner? Absolutely. So one of the, let's say, learnings that I have from the scaling up methodology. Uh, oh, fantastic. Habits, you know, there's a, a separate podcast on that one. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I listen to it uh, regularly. It's, it's a scaling up podcast. Um, but the thing that is always struck my attention there is that you have to work on your business rather than in your business, right? And that's what you're teaching them. And especially with highly educated professionals like lawyers or people that work in law firms, but also medical uh, people that work in medical, like doctors, or my wife is a speech therapist and she, uh, she, she, she does a great job at a hospital, but you know, she, she want to start her own business. She would have to learn a, a new job, actually. It's it's something completely different, as you, as you, uh, well, you pointed out before. It's that they consider themselves to be specialists, good at their job, and that's where they earn money with. And they have to work on that business rather than in that business. So they need to change that attitude. So if you're talking about that business, what kind of business challenges do they have in their uh, marketing? Because... Um, to me, it seems like, as I said, I'm, I'm just someone from the outside. I'm not used to working with law firms, but to me, it would seem that good lawyers would get uh, new 
uh, new customers in pretty easily. You know, if you're doing a good job, new customers will come in automatically. Is that a, is that a true statement or is, is that too simplified? It is. That is the idealism that we, we sincerely wish there would be more of that, that the best lawyers would always get the best cases. But just as you said, that is unfortunately too simplified. And it has been simplified even before lawyer advertising was allowed here in the States, which there was a Supreme Court decision in the 70s that actually started allowing for open lawyer advertising, things like phone books, which is where it kind of all started. But to really get the best clients, the, the way that we work with attorneys on this, Elias, is we ask them, is there a person in your community for whom you would be the perfect attorney for their case, for their needs, for their method of working? If you can't answer yes to that question, then we have to ask, okay, why, why are you running a law firm, right? Like if you don't firmly believe that you are going to be the best person for someone in your market, then why are we in business? So if we can't answer that question positively, it's sort of a, a uh-oh, I guess we have to fix deeper problems here um, in confidence and, and product quality. But if you believe that you are the best for someone and that person could potentially land with another law firm, you should be doing everything in your power to help that person connect with your practice. And we call this the moral obligation behind marketing. If we know that we can truly make an impact in someone's life, then we need to push ourselves into the marketplace. We need to connect with that client. And most importantly, in making that connection, we don't make that all about us. Like we don't say, hey, Elias, Elias, he's the greatest attorney. He has 25 years of experience and 150 years of experience combined with all the attorneys at his law firm. And he has an Ivy League degree or you know whatever it might be. It's actually about, hey, what challenges are you, my potential client, dealing with right now that maybe I can help you with right up front? Like you're talking with an insurance adjuster after your car accident. And the insurance adjuster is using all these technical terms. You're having to sign all of these different papers. If we can step in and just say, hey, I'm going to let you, my potential client, take a breath for a moment because I have some information available to you. I have books or free consultation or some other information spheres available to you. I'm going to actually tell you, you don't have to take action at this moment. You should educate yourself first. I'm going to win a huge fan and that person is going to do business with me over all other options. And that's critical to do business with us over all other options, including doing nothing. Mm -hmm. So what you're, what you're doing there is identifying your target audience. Also maybe sharpening your message and telling, let's say your prospective customers, what, what you can help them with, what it is that they should hire you for, et cetera. Um, so let's say I have a small law firm and um, I have, have come to that conclusion that it's not only my hours that are going to bring me this seven-figure income. You know, I need to basically scale my business. I need to start working on my business. Where do I start? What kind of best practices do you have? So it, it kind of bleeds very naturally into some of the stuff that you have talked about on your podcast previously with other guests and just yourself. Uh, it is about creating a marketing system that doesn't require the constant care and attention of the owner or the marketing director or whoever in the practice. It is creating 
a, an automated marketing system. So one of the, the core things that we teach any of our members first and foremost is you should write a book. And I'll actually go off on a quick tangent about this because it's really important for any of your listeners who may be in the EU um, who have additional challenges, right? Mm -hmm. Additional challenges to actually marketing their practices. So we have some members, uh, we have members in Ireland, France, Portugal. We've had members in Spain before, members in Italy. Um, I think we've had member um, one member, I think, from the Netherlands. Uh, and the big thing, when they write this book, here's the big dynamic change that happens, Elias. And that is, you now don't just advertise, which depending on where you are, you hardly can advertise as an attorney. You can now talk about being the author of a book and the marketing options as an author are very different from the marketing options as a lawyer. So by changing that one simple dynamic, we can open up a whole other sphere of advertising. Now, we always monitor this carefully because we don't want to obviously violate any hard and fast rules. When you are a lawyer, that law license is obviously, you know, your golden ticket, right? Mm -hmm. But usually when we can change that dynamic to being an author, we can radically alter how this works. I think of one of our members, Floor McCarthy in Ireland. So Floor ended up winning an advertising award for the work that he did in his firm. And he really based his marketing around the books, multiple books that he wrote that helped him attract far more clients. And most people would look at that and go, I'm not going to write a book. That seems silly. Well, you know, Floor can kind of laugh his way to the bank on that one. Now, circling back to the whole book idea in general, it creates an opportunity for this automated marketing system where on my website or in my advertisements, whether they're Facebook or Google or wherever, right? We're, we're neutral on where you put your ads because um, there are so many options, so many good ones, frankly. Mm -hmm. But what we can do now is advertise, hey, download or request our free book and we're going to get some information from them. And then we're going to follow up with them. We're going to be able to send them an automated email sequence. We can notify our uh, front desk person, hey, I want an outbound call placed to this person. And once they download the, or once they go to the, the thank you page, we can then say, hey, we also have this free webinar available for you. You, know, you have webinars up on the marketing guy's website, for example. Mm -hmm. Those are places that th those types of things, those requests, that is the core of what we teach because it just, it changes the way you relate to the market. Instead of feeling like, oh, I got to wait for the phone to ring, you can now say, well, not only can the phone ring, but I can also get people in my pipeline via these downloads on my website and via my contact forms and all sorts of other opt-ins that will allow me to grow my practice without relying on just that moment in time when someone says, eh, you know what, I will pick up the phone and schedule an appointment. Wow. So, that seems like a very intelligent way of setting up your inbound and outbound marketing because you, mm -hmm. what you're doing is you're creating some kind of a lead magnet, as we call it uh, yep. sometimes online, um, by writing or writing a book or being an author uh, because, you know, blogs or white papers on your um, law firm's website are not going to be something you can advertise on. So it needs to be something different, but you're also going to become an authority on your, in your field, right? So it's something you can claim authority on. Um, on the other hand, um, when I'm a lawyer, I'm busy. No, well, everyone is busy, right? But lawyers particularly, I think they are very busy. And if they're, if they're busy, they make money. So probably 
they're 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 more busy than typical uh, people. Um, how do I start writing a book? Because that seems like a hell of a job to me. Like writing a book. Well, who, where, where do I start? You know, there are a few places to start with that. The first one, the simplest one, if you're trying to bootstrap this thing, right? Which attorneys are definitely busy, but we've always found that they kind of have this hidden downtime where they have the opportunity to work on their practices. And it may start as a report, right? Like it doesn't have to start as your full-fledged, I've got a 200-page book. Most of our members, even our very advanced members, when they publish a a quote-unquote book, it's between 60 and 120 pages. A book is whatever you decide to call book, but it starts usually as a report. And then from there, maybe you take a look at something like Dean Jackson's 90 minute book program or Mike Capuzzi's Shooks program. You know, there are lots of people out there who can help you get the book done. And usually Elias, it's just, it's almost like what we're doing right now. It's you get interviewed by someone and you talk through your book. You take that transcript and someone cleans it up for you. You don't have to write the darn thing from scratch. Like let's, Let's abolish the mythology of authorship right here and right now. You don't have to be the one who writes it all out in a legal pad, then puts it down on a typewriter, and then, you know, then puts it into a Word document. Obviously, I'm exaggerating for effect here, but (laughs) I think people think that that is the process you have to go through. And I say that, by the way, as someone who actually has an old 1920s typewriter in his house that he still uses from time to time. So... (laughs) Uh, but you don't have to muscle it through that way. Oh, and I think that's that's some great advice that you're you're giving there, Charlie. Because I do think a lot of people, well, are basically thinking about writing a book or about writing a piece or whatever you want to call it, and and are not doing it because they think it's going to be a lot of work. Where in fact, you can outsource a lot. Um, start by giving some interview, doing a one-on-one interview and someone works it out and writes, writes the book for you. Um, those services are available everywhere. So I think that's, that's some, some great advice. So now I have this law firm. I have written my book or someone wrote my book uh, together, you know, with me or whatsoever. What kind of um, marketing uh, tools do I need to, to get that book out? So, it obviously begins, well, I guess it begins in a couple of places. So number one, you do want a, a great website and a great website to me is not the prettiest website. This is a big mistake that is also made Elias. And I'm sure that you see this all the time where there is an, uh, a leaning toward something looking pretty or professional as opposed to just raw efficacy actually converting traffic into leads and into clients, right? That's the focus of the website is mm-hmm. to be a great place for people to connect with you rather than being a place that looks the prettiest. So we start with a really fantastic website. Then we take those books and you know, we've talked mostly about this inbound style of online marketing. But the other factor here is there is some outbound work to be done for referrals. When you've got your book published or a report published, or you just want to do reaching out to other lawyers, reach out to potential referral sources, send them a copy of your book, stay in touch with them regularly. I mean, we have members who send print real live in the mail, print newsletters to referral sources, current and past and prospective clients. And so you create these platforms, the website, other media, whether it's a print newsletter, email newsletter, your social media platforms, though, you know, I I don't, 
heavily prioritize those compared to more owned media like your email newsletter, like a print newsletter, um, a podcast like this one, where you can then promote the book and start getting it distributed. But if you can get it in the hands of referral sources as well, it's hugely powerful. And then from there, you have a lot of advertising options here. You know, I'm not sure what it's like uh, if you all have the rollout on these yet. I think you do, but I, I, it's different in some places, the Google local service ads, right? Mm-hmm. So um, the <clears throat> getting some of those advertising options in place, Facebook remarketing advertisements, you know, the good old fashioned gold standard of Google ads for when people are searching for the information. Are you also getting reviews for your Google local? I mean, the ecosystem, you and I could probably expand on this and turn this into a near impossible seeming task in just like 25 minutes. But those are some of the core things that you got to get in place if you want this ecosystem to function. Absolutely. So we we do have to point out, I think, that writing a, a book on a specific legal topic will generate your leads, but they're going to be probably top of funnel leads, right? So um, for uh, listeners that are not aware or not, um, ha- haven't heard those terminologies before, but the top of funnel leads are, are you call the leads and then you have the middle and bottom of funnel leads and the bottom of funnel leads are your hot leads, so to say. Um, we use lead calls. scoring for all that kind of, uh, for the for the um, scoring. Um, but typically those uh, eBooks or books are going to be, top of funnel leads, which need to be nurtured, right? You already hinted on that before, like you had uh, sequences, email sequences or drip campaigns or lead nurturing flows or whatever you want to call them. Um, You have some advice on on those uh, flows as well? Yes. So with the, those, and I'm so glad you're using that top of funnel situation because yeah, top of funnel is definitely uh, you know, someone's filled out a contact form, they've gotten an ebook, it's that basic interaction as opposed to bottom of funnel, which is, you know, they've made the phone call set an appointment, they're actually coming into the office, right? Like, that's the real win there. So how do we move them from top of funnel to that point of conversion? In those follow up sequences, I'm sure you've seen this mistake made a million times, Elias, which is someone setting up their their marketing automation process. And what they say is, I don't want to bother people too much. And they say that, you know, and they're like, let's just email them, I don't know, once a month or something. My whole deal here is when someone shows interest in, hey, I I might need to file bankruptcy, right? They've requested a book about bankruptcy. Or, you know, I'm thinking about getting a divorce because they signed up for your webinar on child custody. Uh, They are at an emotional peak And they're ready to make a decision. And you do them a tremendous disservice if you don't help them follow through on that decision. So we call it follow through marketing because it helps change the dynamic for attorneys. You know, usually it's follow up marketing. We say follow through marketing. You're going to help your prospect follow through on their commitment to make a positive change in their life through your legal service. And that means frequent contact, high value but focusing on moving them deeper into the funnel. And isn't that like, Elias, the the number one mistake we see all the time is there's that lack of intention of moving someone from the top of the funnel to the bottom of the funnel, encouraging them to call, get them to schedule an appointment, use an online scheduler if that helps them, whatever it takes to get them to that point, 
you do that. And it's usually more frequent communication and communication with the intention of moving them farther into the funnel. Absolutely. And it's going to be personalized because it's Mm -hmm. the whole funnel is going to be, or the flow that is attached to that funnel is going to be personalized and and going to be tied to a specific topic. Could be child custody or, uh, you know, whatever legal situation you're in. Um, and and that's that's a great advice you have uh, given there. So I think this podcast had a lot of or tons of information for legal law firm owners that want to build their business. Um, is there a final like piece of advice that you want to would want to give law firm owners? Yes, that bit of advice is decide the outcome you want. This has nothing to do with marketing, legal operations, your financial levers. It has everything to do with decide on the life you want to live. You don't have to own a $10 million law firm, but if you want to have a $10 million law firm, you can. You don't have to own a half million dollar law firm because maybe you want a $2 million law firm. The business plans exist, but the big differentiator is knowing intrinsically from inside yourself, what do you want in life? And then you have your own permission to build your practice around that desired outcome. All of these fantastic tools, these marketing tools, these operational tools can be used to achieve the outcome. But if you don't know what you want, all you're ever going to do is you're going to buy one tactic here, one tactic there, and you're going to live in an unfulfilled way. So like I just expanded it into the metaphysical here, but that's the transformation that we really put forward with our members is design your outcome, then let's work towards it. Love that advice, Charlie. So again, for the listeners, we had this interview with uh, Charlie Mann, who is the lead coach at uh, Great Legal Marketing. I will put all his details in the show notes as well as his LinkedIn profile. So you know where to where to find him. And I would like to thank you very much for being on the show, Charlie. Elias, thank you so much for this time to talk about this subject and for all the work that you're doing in the marketing automation sphere and this great podcast that you've put together. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Marketing Technology Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform or iTunes. Also, If you want to be a guest or know someone that should be a guest to our show, shoot me an email on e.crum at marketingguys.nl. Thank you for listening.